You're listening to Be Health Connected, a podcast by the St. Louis Area Business Health Coalition. Your host for today's episode is Lauren Rimsbecker, BHC Senior Director of Member Engagement and Communications. Hello, I'm Lauren Remsbecker, and thanks for tuning in to this episode of the BHC's Be Health Connected podcast. The passage of the Consolidated Appropriations Act of 2021 ushered in a new era of healthcare transparency, while also reinforcing employers' fiduciary responsibilities as plan sponsors to assess the fairness of the prices they pay. Hospital costs continue to be one of the fastest growing expenditures in the U.S. economy, with employers paying two to five times that of Medicare charges for the same services, according to recent RAND studies. However, as additional sources of cost and quality data become available, employers can act together to demand healthcare value through market and policy reform. Joining us today to discuss these opportunities and helpful guidance from a new hospital transparency playbook is Michael Thompson, President and CEO of the National Alliance of Healthcare Purchaser Coalitions. Thank you so much for sharing your insights with us today, Mike. Thanks, Lauren. Glad to be here. So I know we've got a lot to cover in just a short amount of time, but I wanna start by just having you answer the question, how did we get here? How did hospital pricing become such a problem in U.S. healthcare, and more specifically for commercial payers? You know, it's a great question. You know, there was a time when we did not have negotiated fees, and uh, then, of course, we ushered in the era of managed care, and suddenly we were setting a reasonable and market fair price uh, negotiated between health plans and hospitals. Over time, there was an increasing demand that we really wanted to have a very broad network with literally all of the hospitals in the network with negotiated fees. Why? Because we didn't want to have to deal with out-of-network fees that were uncontrolled and not managed. Uh, Over time, what has that resulted in? Well, little by little, hospitals have gradually increased not just their costs, but their prices. And that has gotten accelerated even further as more and more hospitals have consolidated within markets and across markets, and then leverage that consolidation based on their market position for greater and greater leverage in setting prices. Today, we wake up, we look at what we're paying, and we realize we may have great big discounts, but we're not paying a fair price. And, and I think now is the time to, take, to recalibrate go back to what are we going to do from here? Yeah, I think those are are great points. And as we mentioned in our opening, you know, one of the driving forces behind some of these conversations is the Consolidated Appropriations Act. Um, Certainly raised the bar for transparency, but it's also raised the bar for employer-sponsored health plans. So can you take us through what some of the fiduciary rights and responsibilities are um, that have been highlighted in the law? You know, employers have always been fiduciaries under the, you know, under ERISA, or if they're not ERISA plans or fiduciaries as public entities, you know, fiduciaries. And and as fiduciaries, they have a responsibility to understand what's happening under the plan with plan assets. Uh, And in fact, they have a fiduciary responsibility uh, to ensure that those plan assets are being used fairly and appropriately for the for the sake of plan beneficiaries. CAA has a lot of requirements, some of which is a little bit of a paper chase. You gotta do this, you gotta do that. 
But fundamentally, it is reasserting that you as an employer, you as a plan sponsor, have a responsibility to know what is happening with your intermediaries, with your vendors, and with every service that's provided under your plan. And you also have to have a responsibility to make a judgment that you're, you're being paying fairly and, and on an uh, uh, uncompromised basis for the services being provided under the plan. It isn't a, a, a perfect standard, but it, 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 it does require a prudent man standard. You know, are you doing what it is? Now with transparency is increased responsibility because now we know more about the prices we're paying. And when we know more and, we, and a prudent man would look at it and say, that's not fair. We have an obligation to actually take steps to mitigate what has happened. Absolutely. And I know so much of employers being able to make these decisions and sort of these judgment calls um, around that uh, hinges on the availability of having data for healthcare cost and quality. Um, I know your new playbook has highlighted some of the current measurement tools that are available. So can you just give us a quick overview of where employers may be looking for some of this transparent information? Well, we know that through CAA and some prior measures, there's a lot uh, of focus on the prices that are being posted online by hospitals or by health plans or even by the employers themselves through their intermediaries. But honestly, some of the most useful tools are tools that are happening outside of that process. So it starts with the RAND study that was done. Uh, I think we're on our uh, fourth version of the RAND study, which does a, takes the data from employers, all payer claims data sets, and, and essentially analyzes what's being paid on the commercial side from private sector plan sponsors and compares it to what Medicare reimburses for the same services. Now, it's not that we necessarily believe that uh, private sector employers can or should pay exactly what Medicare is paying, but when you look at the gaps, you say, wow, do we really need to be paying that much more than what Medicare is paying? Interestingly, MedPAC, which is the advisory committee to Medicare, and is made up of some of the most sophisticated economists and actuaries in the country, has concluded that a well-run, a reasonably efficient hospital should be able to run very close to Medicare overall. So yes, Medicaid tends to pay less than Medicare, so there has to be a makeup there and Yes, there are issues as it relates to uncompensated care and some other, other elements as well. But the question is, should we be paying two, three, five times Medicare? Well, enter the second big source of data, which is the NASHB, National Academy of State Health Policy, which uh, brings in another set of analysis that looks at cost structures in hospitals. And they actually determine whether or not, what is the level as a percentage of Medicare that a hospital needs to break even and make up for any shortfalls in any other part of their business, whether it's in the public programs, uncompensated care, or, or other shortfalls. The shocking part of it is when you look at that Medicare break even and you look at the RAND study, what are we paying as a percentage of Medicare? Those two are not close at all. So our determination is we 
need to be much more conscious that having a good discount off of charges, which we know means nothing because charges are so inflated, means nothing. Hospital prices have been the fastest growing, not the fastest growing healthcare expenditure, the fastest growing thing in the country, in the economy. And that's all happened under our watch through our intermediaries. We need to stand back and say, are we paying a fair price? We are fiduciaries. We have an obligation and we have a right to know and we need to do that. And we've started to put a stake in the ground and say, what is a fair price? I know uh, we've been talking a lot with our employer members about, you know, flexing their muscles as uh, purchasers of healthcare and uh, making some of this data more actionable. So when we think about the tools that are out there, the information that employers now have access to, what steps can they be taking to utilize that in a way that gets them to fair healthcare pricing in their region? So from our standpoint, we've actually come up and part of our playbook actually explains what we think is a fair way to assess what is a fair price. So there's two methodologies that really take different approaches, but probably define a range of what a fair price is. So the first methodology is let's look at what the hospital actually needs based on their current cost structure. They may not be reasonably efficient. They may be costly. Regardless of that, what do they need based on their current cost structure to make up for any shortfalls in any other part of their business? You know, Medicare, Medicaid, or whatever. It turns out that number on average is 127% of Medicare. If they got paid on average 127% of Medicare, they would break even overall. But instead, the average price is over 250% of Medicare. That's almost double that number. It's stunning. That's not a fair price. So we say start with what they need to break even. And we have that now for every hospital, not every hospital, but most hospitals in the country. And it's built off their own reporting on the Medicare cost reports, right? So we know what their break even is. And then let's add a reasonable margin. You know, if they're actually operating very efficiently, let's add 20% on top of it. And if they're not operating that efficiently, if they actually have a higher number, let's add 10%. Let's assume that maybe they should manage their expenses more too, right? But those don't seem like unreasonable margins for any business. And when you put that on top, you come nowhere near what they're paying through the RAND study, what's illustrated in the RAND study. And with that, you say, boy, that's a big gap. The second way to look at it though, is to say, all right, maybe there's not a market and we don't have a way to squeeze them down to a reasonable margin. Well, at least let's look at what their peers are charging. And if they're an outlier against their peers, maybe we should ask them to bring their prices down to what their lower cost peers are, lower price peers are. Well, there's a wide variation. In fact, you could, you could limit your, the hospitals you're looking at to the, the highest quality of four and five-star hospitals. And you, you might find a variation that is two and a half times the low end of the same very high quality hospitals in the prices being charged. Well, let's at least bring people down into that lower range, even if that's way above what they actually need to break even. So that kind of defines your range, marking up from cost and then looking at peer hospitals and, and, and coming down to the low end of peer hospitals. We can meet hospitals in the middle they don't have to go out of business, but 
darn, we should be able to pay a fair price at the end of the day. I know we've looked uh, locally here in St. Louis at uh, some of the variation and, and certainly have seen um, those wide gaps, uh, both in cost and quality. Uh, and so it is helpful now to have some guidance around uh, actually calculating what a fair price could be, giving employers a sense of what they should be aiming for um, when we're having conversations with health systems and health plans. So, you know, we've kind of walked through these different stages um, and now we've got the sense of what a fair price might be. What's the next step when it comes to market and policy-based strategies for employers to actually achieve the affordable, high-quality health care they're looking for? It, it's a great question because we know we have a problem. The question is, what do you do about it? And if we keep doing it the way we've been doing it, we probably aren't going to change the dynamics. The reason we're, we're being charged these prices is because they can and nothing happens as a consequence. And so the question is, what could we do? So I, there are market-based strategies and there are policy-based strategies. The market-based strategies are things like reference-based pricing. You know, it's not, it hasn't been a popular strategy here before, but when you have the evidence that you're not paying a fair price, why don't we just define that we'll only pay a fair price and we'll define what that is it will tell you what we're going to pay for those services. It turns out that fair price is well above what they need to manage the care. It is a little, a little bit new and area, but there are employers that have implemented this very successfully with very little pushback. And there are intermediaries that help to, to quiet the game. At the end of the day, maybe the only way to pay a fair price is to pay a fair price. The second uh, idea though, is potentially to look at um, ways that we actually differentiate how we reimburse, how we steer within our plans. And we've always talked about tiered networks, centers of excellence, but maybe the time has come that we move to uh, encouraging employees to, to, towards those, those providers that are charging a more reasonable price at a very, for a very high quality care. And again, when we treat everybody the same, when the health plans tell you, you can't tier, this is what we get. We get hospitals that charge whatever they feel like because there's no consequences to charging that. Uh, and again, there are typically more than one good hospitals available in many markets, and maybe there's a way to do that. Thirdly, let's think about what can we do to keep people out of the hospital? Let's look at site of care strategies. Let's look at advanced primary care. Let's look at dealing with unaffiliated providers, people who are being incentive to get people into those hospitals. Uh, and, and those strategies have some potential as well. And then there are, are more traditional strategies about let's go and talk to them. Let's go and talk to the health systems and bring them the data and say, how can this be? What can we do to work together so that you're on the same train as we are on providing high value uh, care and, and related strategies, of course, around transparency. It's not clear that transparency alone will make it happen, whether it's in the hands of purchasers or in the hands of consumers. In the hands of purchasers, it will only make it happen if they actually take other action. They actually, actually have to move incentives in the system, both for the providers or for their employees to move. Now, in many markets, we have seen a consolidation where there is no market. Essentially, because of the consolidation, there is uh, such concentration of market power that in fact, the providers can hold you up and charge what they want. 
And with that market power, they, they've gotten more emboldened to go purchase more parts of the market and make it still more consolidated, vertically and, and, and horizontally. Where does that end up? It ends up in a situation where you're dealing with monopolies and oligopolies. And in most other parts of the economy, where we have a monopoly or an oligopoly, we regulate. We treat them like utilities. If they're going to act like monopolies, we need to treat them like utilities. And it's not that their services aren't critical. Of course they're critical, we need them. But because we need them, we need them to operate on a, on a fair basis and on a reputable basis. And with that, you need oversight and we need to come up with policy type oversight that can come in the form of direct rate regulation, but there's other ways. There could be global budgets, there could be uh, uh, healthcare cost growths. And some of these act actions are happening in states across the country today. Uh, even things like a public option. Uh, some states are threatening to bring in public options. You're not talking about a public option at the same level as Medicare, but it could be at a fair price, something that's a, mul a multiple Medicare that's not unreasonable. Even if employers didn't initially opt into such an option, the threat of them uh, uh, electing into such an option would be a constraint on, on a system that otherwise seems to be run away. Uh, so all of these are issues that need to be considered both on the market side and on the policy side. We know we need to take action if we're gonna avoid the anti-competitive practices and, and frankly, the antitrust actions we're seeing or the, the, the monopolistic actions we're seeing that are, are, are leading us to the, the situation we have today. It's not every hospital, and we shouldn't say it's every hospital, but it's, it's prevalent enough that I think every plan sponsor should be concerned and should be taking action responsibly as plan producers. Well, as always, Mike, you give us a lot of great food for thought, and I just want to thank you and the National Alliance for leading these efforts um, to realize higher value, uh, healthcare value across the country. I know we at the St. Louis Area Business Health Coalition really look forward to continuing to partner with your team, as well as our employer members here in the region, um, to assess and communicate pricing and quality data and, you know, hopefully get towards that fair price and, and making more informed healthcare decisions as purchasers, as consumers, as a community. Um, um, as we close today's episode, are there any parting thoughts that you'd like to leave with our audience? No, you know, I, the, the one thing I would say is it's a brand new era. These tools are new, right? That your responsibility as a producer is not that you've been asleep in the switch. It's that none of this has been available for you to see. Now it's available. Shame on us if we don't take advantage of it. And frankly, it'll get used against us if we don't. You know, hospitals will look, oh, somebody else is getting away with even more, and they'll push to, to actually get higher, not lower. We need to create the collective pressure to move in the right direction and reverse this runaway trend. Thank you for listening to the Be Health Connected podcast. For additional episodes or to learn more about employer resources available through the St. Louis Area Business Health Coalition, please visit www.stlbhc.org.